0: Hey there, Kelly here. Guests on the show share so many great ideas, but how do you start putting them into practice? Well, that's exactly what you'll explore when you sign up for the podcast weekly newsletter. Each week, you'll get three ideas from past guests sent straight to your inbox. You'll explore materials, techniques, tools, concepts, and mindsets in bite-sized pieces so that you can think about them and fold them into your own practice. It's completely free and you get it by signing up at learntopaintpodcast.com slash newsletter.
1: And I think that's a huge part of creating art is to have confidence, to have faith and to trust and to also know that no matter what you do, you have nothing to lose. It's just a painting. If you hate it, then start over.
0: Hello and welcome to the Learn to Paint podcast, the show that gives you artistic tools you can put to work. I'm your host, Kelly Ann Powers, with your special year end replay. This December, we're revisiting four interviews with artists who show up every single day and create. I hope the conversations inspire you to see what's possible for your upcoming year. In today's episode, I'm talking with oil painter Kim Smith. In the conversation, you'll learn how to design a practice that fits in your life. You'll get ideas on how to use warms and cools to create dynamic shadows, and you'll discover why sometimes it's best not to share your work, plus a whole lot more. For show notes, head to learntopaintpodcast.com slash podcast slash episode 13. I start the interview by asking Smith how she got started in art.
1: I'd say I've loved art for my entire life. I've been an artist since I can remember That was my favorite thing in school. And when it was time to go to college, I didn't even know like being a fine artist was a thing. I didn't even consider it. I went to college for graphic design, which was a good choice for me. I enjoyed it. As soon as we start doing the art part, any kind of art, I love it. So I've had a graphic design and advertising business for the last almost 30 years, and it's been great. But as I was in the business, everything went from being hands-on to being digital, and I really miss the hands-on part of creating so when my youngest who is now 17 when she was old enough to be a little bit more independent i made the commitment to get up every morning before work and create art and in the beginning it was tough getting up early and now i can't imagine my life without it it's just my calm before the chaos of the day It's just my space. I guess it's kind of like a meditation to me. Like I go in my studio, nothing else matters except what I'm creating. And then when eight o'clock rolls around, it's time to get ready for work. I find my mind wandering and then off I go into my day and it's a great way to start. So then how did you find
0: oil? Was that something that you gravitated to immediately or did it take some time to find that?
1: I used to, oh, I loved watercolors. And because I was in advertising and marketing and went to school a long time ago, I had to be very proficient with gouache, with markers, doing marker comps, making things look super realistic. And I really wanted to loosen up my style. So I decided to try my hand at oils and I made a big mess for a long time. <laughs> and it was, it was a crazy journey, but now I love it it's so buttery and so fun it's just kind of a delicious medium
0: oil and watercolor are so different how did that first year go
1: they are so different but i think because i'd had experience doing a lot of things that the process of like instead of going from lights to darks doing kind of darks to lights That was an easy transition for me. I think the harder thing for me was controlling the medium. It was so buttery. It's easy to make a muddy mess. It was hard for me to learn what colors to use and kind of what my voice was with oil painting.
0: When you decided to do the daily painting, was that sort of your shift into, I'm going to take this seriously, I'm going to commit to it?
1: I think for me, when I started doing it, it was more of a commitment that I wanted to make to myself to take time for myself than it was really to have it become part of my life that it's become. I just made a commitment to myself to spend that time. It could have been working out. It could have been anything, but I missed art. So that's why I chose art. Did it take some transitioning like within
0: your life and the expectations of your family of you and your expectations of you? How was that?
1: Transitioning into doing it every morning, it it took a little while to get in the pattern of it. I always think of it like kind of like jumping rope with friends. You have to pick the time to jump in. So you try it a little bit, it didn't work it's like working out or eating better. Then you try it again the next week and the next week and then after a while it becomes a habit and you didn't even notice it happening. I would say the hardest part was what I had to give up really was sleep time because I still had to get the same amount of things done in my day, including household things and my job and my family. So what I gave up was an hour of sleep and it was totally worth it.
0: How long did it take to start to see progress in what you were doing?
1: It took a while to see progress. I stumbled along for a while. I did online classes. I haven't really taken, I might have done two or three in-person classes. I'm pretty self-taught. Well, I totally am with oil painting. The progress of my painting style was kind of slow and steady. I had to keep confident. I would do some paintings that I hated, but I didn't let that discourage me, which is hard. But in the process, I've learned a lot about myself, and you just have to stick with it. If you love it, it will pay off in the end. It just is a slow journey. And part of it was because I'm only doing it for an hour a day. You know, I think if I could just dive in and paint eight hours a day, I might be further ahead. I also might hate it. I don't know. I mean, it's just been my journey, and it fits into my life, and it's it works.
0: it sounds like you had to find something that fit into your life.
1: Yes, I totally had to find. Because I paint before work, I couldn't paint plein air. I can't use live models. I don't even really have time to set up still life settings, which I would love to paint from life. But I use photographs and I have a huge library of them. So when I wake up in the morning and I feel inspired by a color or a visual or something, I just go into my library I pick something out and I paint. So instead of getting lost and thinking about what am I going to paint, what do I want to create, I just create and that works because I'm learning the process of it. I'm learning all the way along and my style is developing, but I'm not belaboring myself with like what's the perfect thing to do or expecting it to be perfect.
0: I think so many people when they're starting out think I'm going to paint it all and then That turns out to be really hard. And we internalize that as like, well, I'm not meant to be a painter. And what I think is interesting about what I hear you saying is that you looked at your life and said, this is the time I have. How do I make this the best time and the most useful time?
1: Yes, totally. That is exactly what it is. I have readily available reference and I also have my studio set up so I don't have to spend time thinking about any of the other stuff. Before I end my day, I make sure my brushes are clean and ready to go. So it's effortless to just go into the studio and create and not have to think about the stuff. And that's a perfect way to start. And, and then there's no excuses. Your references, you have this
0: library. What do you know you need from a reference? And then what do you know that you can't have as a reference?
1: On a practical standpoint, my reference, I try to have either photographs that I've taken myself or that I have permission to use. I don't use any other photos. So that also is partly why I paint a lot of flowers and birds because I have those reference. When I'm looking for something that I love to paint, I would say light is more important than anything else. Something that has you know, a broad range of value that I know will translate well And I also think that I, my graphic design background comes out in the compositions and things that I create. So that's been a a process too, the journey of figuring out what I love to paint too. But I would love to paint anything. It's just, those are the things that my go-tos that work and are effortless. So the process is easy.
0: Then did you sort of batch your time in the sense of you have that stockpile of reference photos? Are there any times where you sort of realize, oh, no, I'm running low. I need to spend an hour getting a bunch more? Mm -hmm. Or uh, how would you do that?
1: Well, a lot of my reference comes from places that I go, like there's a market here in Lancaster that I go to. A lot of the things that I I either photograph there or I buy things and bring them home and photograph. I do feel like I run out of reference. Like I love painting peonies. And every year I say, next peony season, I am going to take thousands of pictures but I don't I find my favorites of the few photo shoots that I do paint those and then I run out it took a long time to build it up but when I go through my images I always find inspiration but I do I do love to find new inspiration too
0: what do you look for in a reference photo
1: I look for things that kind of make my heart flutter I look for things that make me happy that I think I want to paint this cuz I can live with this for an hour or 10 hours, because I'm inspired by it. So I would say that it's how I feel more than the actual composition of it. And I try to find things that have a lot of value, that are lights and darks, that have colors in it. Even though I can adjust the color and do anything I want with it, it still has to feel inspiring, the color does. So that's why I love flowers, I love nature. How complex can these references be? I don't paint things that are that complex. I find that my paintings get more complex when they're larger because I have to think more about like if there's an expanse of color, having different values and having that transition where when I'm painting small, that's effortless because it's not a big space. I like simple graphic kinds of things. And I think that's why I like kind of narrowing in on my subject. So I focus in on the birds or the flowers and kind of have a different perspective on them, I think because I look at it graphically. And a lot of times, when I do a smaller painting and I enjoy the process and it's effortless, a lot of the time I'll keep that as a reference for a larger painting because I know that I enjoyed whether it's the color or, or how everything fell together, then that's a lot of times what I will paint large.
0: And how small are you
1: working for the hmm. daily paintings? Well, my favorite size is either six inches by six inches or six inches by eight inches. So they're pretty small. I've did a series of birds that were four inches by four inches. They were really fun too. So I do anything from four inches to forty eight by forty eight.
0: That's so different. that I mean, when you paint small, that's such a different feeling than painting big. How do you translate that both from like a physical standpoint but also from a material standpoint?
1: I still have a lot to learn with large paintings. I get, I get afraid in the middle of them, but it's a great challenge. It's super fun. And you can't worry about how much your tube of paint costs or any of that. You have to just dive in and put that all out of your mind and dive in with confidence and see what happens. And that's when the magic happens, when you don't think about all the stuff. And it's easier on a small painting because there's no risk. On a large painting, there really still isn't, but that's a huge time investment to not like it. But that's okay, too, because the whole process is learning. And being an artist, you never stop learning, ever. It's an ongoing process for the rest of your life. How conscious are you of those fears when they come up, and how have you learned to manage them? That's a really good question. I think that I'm really good at quieting my fears, I think because I've done art for so long, it doesn't matter to me what people think. I mean, it does. And honestly, if I'm working on something and I'm afraid that I'm taking a risk and someone's going to say something that's going to squelch my spirit, I don't show it to anybody until I'm ready because I don't want that to happen because that does happen. And I always say when you're creating artwork, you start with your mind and do all the things that you have to do so you have the confidence to proceed, whether it's learning color, learning about your materials, all that kind of a thing. And then you have to listen to your heart, find what you love and what inspires you. And then you have to let go of all that and trust your intuition and just dive in. And that's the fun part of art.
0: And then also what I hear you saying is maybe sometimes don't share it if you're not ready. I think especially with Instagram, and which is a wonderful community. like There are these wonderful
1: places to share that sometimes the answer is to not share it. Yes. If you're feeling vulnerable about something and you're not sure, if you show it to someone and they can say the nicest thing, but you see in their eyes that They're like, oh my God, then don't, don't share it because then you will stop. And even though you might create something at that point that you're not in love with, or you might not even like it, you're learning something. It's part of your journey and that's okay. It's okay to make things you don't love or you're not happy with because you have to go through each thing to get to the next level, just like anything in life. You don't just do it right all the time. And if you do, then you're not pushing yourself. What's the biggest challenge you see your students facing? One of the challenges is seeing, like really, really seeing instead of painting what you think you see, really looking at something and thinking about it, like seeing there are colors in there that your mind knows they're not there, but they are like you really have to look at something and see it and look at the dimensions of it and look how light's affecting it. It's that whole seeing why do you think they're not seeing? I think you have to really train yourself to see things. And when you do, you can't stop. Like I even find that when I'm with my children in the car or something, for so long, like I'll say something about, did you see the way the light was reflecting on that building? They'll see it now and point it out to me. Whereas most people probably drive by something like that and don't even look at it. So it's noticing everything that's around you and thinking about how light's affecting it, thinking about the color values, realizing that when you see a shadow and you think it's black, it's not black, it's there's lots of colors in there. It's really looking at those details.
0: My mom was an artist and my entire childhood, we lived out in the country and so we would drive through fields and There wasn't a car ride where she wouldn't point out how blue the grass was or the 40% shift on barns, and I just thought all (laughs) families lived that way, Uh, and it
1: has been great. I love that. (laughs) So painting is kind of a, a mix because you have to be able to see and be able to draw, because drawing is really just looking at what you're looking at and repeating what you see. Practicing drawing, like going to life drawing classes is important doing contour drawing, like all that, that also gives you the confidence. And I I think that helps you to see. And when you're painting, you don't want to fill in lines. Like you don't want to do a drawing and then fill it in like a paint by number. You want to build a form up by putting down colors next to each other to make something look dimensional. So it's almost like you have to start with the drawing part and then completely let go of it. But it's an important piece of the puzzle. How important is drawing for you? Drawing is very important. And whenever I have extra time that I'm somewhere that I can't paint, I draw. Really, that helps you to see. It helps you to see relationships of how things look next to each other. It helps you to notice values and notice like planes on things. Like if something's round, you know, seeing how the light's hitting it. And you don't just, not just drawing the thing. It's drawing, how light's affecting it, looking at the shadows that are cast and doing something like going to life drawing classes. I mean, that's the best practice is drawing the human figure. It's not easy, but it just really helps you to see. Why do you think people are scared of drawing? I think people think that drawing shouldn't be as hard as it is. Drawing is only hard because you're not really looking at what you're seeing. You're drawing what you think you see, not what is really right in front of you. So if you just, anytime you're sitting around, you have free time and you have a piece of paper, put a coffee cup in front of you and draw it. Because the more and more you do it, the more you're going to actually see what the coffee cup looks like. You're going to think about the weight of it on the table, the shadow that's cast, the highlights on it, that there's little parts of it that are really white, like completely white because the way the light's hitting the top edge of it, that that's not, you think the coffee cup's red, but really where that light's hitting it, that's white. You know, it's completely different. One of the things I hear you saying
0: is that drawing is important because yes, it helps you draw a bird that looks like a bird, if that's your goal, to paint a bird that looks like a bird. Almost more of what I hear you saying is that drawing helps you learn to see the bird. It it's almost like drawing has two different purposes. One is to get a bird that looks like a bird, but like you can do that with a projector. I mean, like you could technically do that with anything, but a projector will not teach you to see the bird.
1: Yes, that you. I couldn't say it any better than that. But yes, it helps you learn to see.
0: So moving into your process, first off. Could you walk us through your process?
1: My process when I'm painting is I take most of the photos with my phone and I decide what size panel I'm going to paint on. Then I crop it and then I actually airdrop it to my iPad. That's where I keep all my photos. And that's where I go into the app. It's called hashtag grid. And that's the app that I use to put the grid on top of my photos. And so I grid out my board and then I put the grid on my photo on my iPad. I do, and I can paint without the grid, but it gives me confidence that I have things positioned where I should. Because sometimes doing little things like that to give yourself confidence makes all the difference. And then I do my first layer with transparent oils. So I have my transparent colors and I use Zest It oil painting medium and mix it in. And then I kind of just block in where the colors go, just very broadly to kind of cover all the white space, and to make it be a safe place to dive in. And then I love using RNF pigment sticks. That's my second layer. And I go back in over top of my transparent layer with the pigment sticks. And I feel that they loosen me up, because you can't be specific with where they land, because there are these big chunky oil sticks and they really have beautiful colors so I just kind of go in and do my oil sticks in there and then I mix up my palette loosely like I figure out pretty much which colors I need because I think if you mix your colors ahead of time before you put them on your canvas your painting is more cohesive and then I go in and I don't add medium to that unless I'm working large and I just go in with straight tube paint and go in over top of my rnf pigment sticks and my transparent layers and it just magically mixes together and looks gorgeous the colors are so fun and it's taken me a while to figure out which colors because there are so many amazing colors it's hard to narrow down and just have a few you're saying that first
0: transparent layer are you talking about using the pigments that are actually transparent or are you saying you make them transparent with the medium
1: The paints are actually transparent paints. So like Permanent Rose is a transparent oxide brown, ultramarine blue, Indian yellow, and there are more of them, but they're actually transparent paints. And when you mix them with the zested medium, it's watery. It's kind of like watercolors. And when I paint, sometimes I paint on the Arches oil paper and it looks like watercolor. And I love the look of that
0: and I should note here that Kim has a fantastic YouTube channel and right now you share live every Wednesday you paint and I mean it's fun to see the whole process, but it really does. Sometimes that first layer really looks like so juicy and watercolory.
1: Yes, the first layer it feels like watercolor. And I think that's my comfort level has was always watercolor. So I love that mix of the watercolor and then the spontaneity of the oil sticks and then going in with the buttery oil paints on top. It's just kind of that kiss and putting down those intentional brush strokes where you see the brush stroke. I love When you're up close and all you can look at are the colors and the brushstrokes. And when you step back, it almost looks kind of realistic. Like that's always my goal.
0: You mentioned that you build up form, you know, that you have
1: the drawing and then you build up form. How do you build up form? I think about it. I think about the form, what areas are in shadow and what areas are in light. And for the most part, my shadows are warmer warmer and my highlight areas are cooler. That can switch completely sometimes. But then you have the subtle shifts in color. And almost, I would say the hardest part is right in the middle where the two meet. Like Sometimes that's challenging to get that to work. But it's partly thinking about all those things and then letting go of it and trusting your intuition.
0: You said the highlights are generally cool and the shadows are generally warm. If those do switch, do they they completely rotate like you're your highlights would be warm. And then
1: if your highlights are warm, your shadows are cool. Like you always work in opposites. Yes. That's how I do it. Why? Sometimes I have trouble seeing the worms and the cools in something that, that is subtle. But if you look at light hitting something, you really can see it. Like, you know, sitting where I am right now, where the light's coming in, it's warm. And the shadows are cool. So that's the opposite. And I'm not sure why, but then I would think about that when I'm painting. Because warms and cools, like people say, warm colors, you know, are reds and yellows and oranges. And cool colors are blues and purples. But when you're painting, there's warm and cool of every color. So you can make any color color. Skew warm or cool, depending what you add to it. So it's totally not that. It's not that all blues and purples are cool. So, thinking
0: about, let's
1: say you're painting a
0: blue bird, in your highlighted areas where the sun is hitting that bird, you would use cool blues. And then in the shadow parts of that bird, you would use darker warm blues
1: yes darker warm blues and and sometimes you can have something like say I'm painting a peony and there's a petal and part of it's in the in the shade and part of it the light's hitting it but they look like they're the same color unless you're looking very closely but because part of it's in the shadow if you make that shadow go warm it looks more realistic and then if you keep the color next to it that looks almost the same but the sun's hitting it it's same color, but it just skews a little bit cooler Then it. It looks more realistic. That's cool. <laughs> That's amazing. It is. It's so cool. And, and I don't do it as effortlessly as I hope to someday. Like I do have to think about it still, but I know that if I keep practicing it, I won't need to think about it anymore. It'll be like that rote kind of thing that I'll just intuitively know it. That's the fun part too, is each piece that I add into what I can do if I keep doing it every day, it becomes something that I can do without thinking. And then I'm ready to learn the next thing.
0: And then as someone starting who is really a beginner hearing this in their next painting, I hope they try. Just say like, okay, this is the rule. I may not see it yet, but let's try the rule. A rule yes. in quotes. But like right. try it.
1: Yes. Give it give it a try and see if you can see the subtleties of it.
0: Many of our listeners are acrylic painters you have experience crossed media. How are acrylic and oil different?
1: Acrylics are wonderful because they dry quickly, they're convenient, you can clean it up with water. Everything about them is convenient and easy. Their negative is that they dry quickly. (laughs) Like that's a pro and a con, but with oil paints, painting with acrylics is like painting with plastic. And painting with oils is like painting with butter. They feel so different. When you paint with oil paints, it's just a very delicious kind of experience because they blend beautifully. The colors are amazing, but they take forever to dry. Like you have to be a little bit more thoughtful because if you're not careful, they turn into mud very quickly. But there are pros and cons to all the different mediums. Like I enjoy all of them. Is the reason why they turn muddy because anything you put on
0: top of a lower later will just mix
1: in? It can mix in more likely than not. I feel that the muddiness comes from having a dirty brush. Like if your brush and you're mixing colors, certain colors mixed together end up turning brown eventually because you can't have all those colors together. If you keep your brush clean and you make a brush stroke and you leave it there, you make intentional brush strokes and don't go in and work them. It keeps it very clean.
0: In watercolor, you clean your brush because you're doing moisture control. And in acrylic, you clean your brush because if you don't, your brush will turn into a plastic sculpture. Yes. And it's ruined. But oil, you don't have to.
1: Right. You could just keep painting. Yeah, because it stays, it'll stay wet for several days. You know, so yeah, you do. You have to always clean your brush off because if you already have a color on there, you're painting with green and then you go into your reds, your reds start to kind of get brown looking. Like you can mix colors, but you have to be intentional and think about it.
0: One of the things we haven't talked about in terms of oil, and it's different than the other media a little bit, is that, like you said, you're painting with butter. So what does someone need to know about working with
1: the physical paint when they're just getting started in oil? It's a different process because you have to be a little bit mindful of how much paint you have on your brush, how wet it is or how dry it is. Because if you are painting and say you fill your brush up too much, when you go to make a stroke on your painting, if your painting has an underpainting, it's too wet, it'll just kind of... It won't move the same way. So I think you really have to learn to get a feel for the oils. And some oil paints are dry, some are wet, and it's experience. It's playing with it. It's even from brand to brand, they feel different. And when you're oil painting, you have to do, they call it fat over lean. So you want to use thin lean layers underneath and as you build up that's when you can put on heavier thicker paint because of the drying time when you paint with acrylics like it the whole thing just kind of dries. But with oil paint, it cures. So I think it dries from the inside out. And if you put thick paint down and put thin paint over the top, the thinner paint will dry before the underneath layers dry. So you really need to pay attention to it. It's mostly because of how oil paint dries.
0: And also, if someone is working, it sounds like if they lay down a brush stroke and it's not moving how they want it to, one thing to think about in the variables is how thick the paint they're laying it on is. Yes.
1: Yes. It's the mixture of how thick the paint is on your brush or how wet it is. And then what the surface you're putting it on. And it, if you're working on something and it just feels wrong, like take a paper towel and wipe it off because it's better to go back down. Like I paint wet into wet. I'd rather go back down to my, my substrate rather than fight with it because that never works. That's when you start getting muddy and your edges don't work, any of it. So it's better to wipe it and go back in.
0: In terms of your process, and let's talk about dailies, where do you do your thinking about what you're going to paint? Is that before you start painting? Is that in the painting? Where do you do the
1: thinking part of your painting? So when I do the thinking part of what I'm going to paint, I would say A lot of times it's first thing in the morning when I wake up, I'll look through my reference material and something will just pop out at me. And that's what I paint. Like I don't spend a lot of time thinking about it because I think the more you think about it before you start, the less likely you are to start or to finish. So it's about the process of doing it and not overthinking. And then while I'm painting, the part where I stop and think is in when I do those intentional brushstrokes toward the end of the painting. That's very deliberate, very thoughtful, very intentional. And that's where I'm thinking the most. And if like I'm painting live, I stop talking because I, then I can't talk and answer questions and think like all of that. So I think at the beginning and the end and the middle, I just have fun. So many people want to paint loosely,
0: but don't know how. What are the problems you think they're running into there?
1: for loose painting? For me, I think the way I, I've i developed my ability to paint what I think is more loosely is by leaving room for that magic to happen, for spontaneous things to happen instead of being so thoughtful through the entire process. Just leaving room for the magic, I'd say.
0: So don't plan out every brushstroke.
1: Yes, don't plan out every brushstroke, only the really important ones.
0: That's so hard when you're beginning. To just have faith.
1: Yes. And I think that's a huge part of creating art is to have confidence, to have faith and to trust and to also know that no matter what you do, you have nothing to lose. It's just a painting. If you hate it, then start over. It's not brain surgery. It's not anything that's super critical. It's just a painting. So be loose and enjoy the journey. I guess that's it more than anything is enjoying the journey.
0: What are the important pieces that you need those under layers to have so that you can add those spontaneous moments later?
1: I think my under painting part of it, it's like mapping it out. And that's what gives me the confidence that I kind of see where I'm going, not entirely, just a little bit. It's like having a vague map goal so that you don't worry about that piece of it. So that's off the list. I don't have to worry that the bird's eye is going to be way off or whatever it is. That's kind of my, let's call it a confidence map that I know where I'm headed. So is that
0: big shapes? Is that values? Is that local color? Like what do you need in that confidence
1: map? That's a good question. It's probably a little bit of everything. And, And it might also depend on what I'm painting too, and what things that I might be less secure about in a painting. So sometimes if I'm working on something, and I know there's a focal point, in the beginning when I was painting, I would avoid it. Because I was kind of afraid. And then I'd see that I was dancing around the painting and avoiding the one thing that I need to be focused on. And I've learned that if there's something like that, that's where I start. Even if it's something like if I'm painting an animal portrait and I'm a little afraid of painting the eyes, which is where I really paint very intentionally, I'll do that first now because then the rest of it's just kind of effortless.
0: It's amazing to me how much painting is like paying attention to ourselves. And then handling ourselves accordingly.
1: Yeah, it's you can learn all your life lessons in painting. Painting, for me, has taught me patience, something I very little love. But I've learned through the process of painting to have patience. Because you can't hurry it. it. It has to evolve at a nice steady pace. Like if you go in and you're in a hurry, it's never going to work. It has a life of its own and you dive in there and you have to be in it for the long haul and you can't rush it.
0: Both in the painting itself and also like the life of a painter in their mm-hmm. skills.
1: Yes, both.
0: Does that make it any less frustrating?
1: It makes it more magical. Yeah, it's not frustrating for me. I love doing it. And I having worked in advertising and marketing and having to create things for clients that it ends up not necessarily being what you envisioned or or what you love. Creating a piece of artwork is something that I love doing and nobody has to fall in love with it. I just have to enjoy the process. Like there's something just so refreshing about doing something that is. it's really just for me. Was
0: that hard in the beginning in the sense of... Because you wear so many hats in your life, was it a challenge for you to say, like, this is for me, this is mine, and it's important?
1: Yeah, it's still hard. That's still hard because I still wear a lot of hats and it's so many things going on. But I do my best that when I go in my studio, I have that hour to create and do whatever I want to do. It took a while to build that habit. But now that I'm in it, I'll never not do it.
0: Any advice to people who are who are struggling with the habit?
1: It's just like anything else. You try a little bit. If you fall off, you get back up and do it again as soon as you're ready. Like you can't push yourself too much, but one week maybe you're going to do it one day and next week you'll try and do it two days. I actually have a little calendar. I have a new planner this year and it has a habit tracker on it. And one of mine is creating artwork. One of mine is learning, of course, working out, eating well, like all those things too. And every day you check off if you've done that thing. But when you have a map like that, you know, I know that I want to check that box tomorrow. So I'm going to go paint. So make something so that you're accountable to doing it and it'll become a habit. How long did it take you to find the process that worked for you? It took a long time. I look back at paintings that I did in the past, they weren't as lively. They didn't have as much energy in them, I guess. But I just kept trying. And and when I look back through my process, I can see how much they've evolved, my paintings. Um, But I'm still learning. Like I'm not saying this is my process. My process may change in another week. Like it just, this is where I am. But as far as I went in the last, whatever I've been doing it, eight or 10 years, I plan to grow that much more in the next set of years. So I'd say I'm only like 10% in. Was finding a repeatable process important to you? Did that help you grow as an artist? I don't know that I thought about building a process when I'm struggling with something like I'll watch YouTube videos or learn. I learn from different people and everyone that I learn from, I try to take something about what they do and pull it into my practice till it evolves into my own thing. And it's a constant learning, always learning.
0: That's clearly a piece that you really like about painting, the learning part, both it seems internally and externally.
1: Yes. And painting is so fun because it's a mix of learning and doing things very intentionally. And it's also being intuitive and letting things just happen. So it's a little bit of a dichotomy of two different things. And you wouldn't think that you need to think that much when you're painting, but you really do. Do you do
0: most of your learning through showing up every day, finishing a painting and sort of trusting that the things you're struggling with given time
1: Yes, I feel that showing up every day and putting the effort in, I am learning through that process. And if I do something and I'm not happy with it, then I think about it. And that's part of the learning process too. I'm not going to love everything I create or maybe even like it, but it's part of the process. And you can't paint something you love all the time because then you're not learning anything new.
0: We're going to move a little bit into color.
1: How do you prepare your palette before you paint when i'm mixing my colors i kind of have this same palette that i use all the time you know i kind of have a warm and a cool red a warm and a cool green warm and cool yellow and so on and then depending what i'm painting i might add in some other colors more than anything because i love experimenting with different things and lately i've been experimenting with different values to use rather than white to lighten a color Like warm whites rather than cool whites, softer pink colors, softer blue colors. And if you add like a lighter blue into a darker blue, you'll get a whole different color than you would if you used a dark blue and added white because white often makes colors kind of go chalky or it deadens the vibrancy a little bit. And when I'm mixing colors, I'll look to see what's in my painting. And I find that if I pre-mix my colors, my painting ends up to be more cohesive. And I can dive into the part of the painting process without having to stop and think, what color is that? Do I need to mix that? I already basically have the key colors all mixed. And I'll mix a kind of a warm and a cool of what it, like say I'm painting a bluebird or something, I'll mix a few warm and cool blue shades and what other colors I might see in there, whether it tends to go a little brown or maybe there's some yellow in there or whatever. I'll mix those all up and then I don't need to think about that part while I'm painting. That's probably partly what makes... The painting part so easy because I've already done the color mixing I've already mapped the whole thing out and all I need to do is just kind of fill it up with all the fun so in your painting again
0: we keep bringing we keep bringing up the bluebird because it's a easy
1: it's
0: it's easy so you're then mixing the blues you see but then also additional blues are you mostly working on things you see or sort of the things you see is the starting point and then you expand your colors around that
1: I would say I mix what I see as a starting point and then expand on that. And I might also mix some colors I don't necessarily see just because that's part of that spontaneity. Like if I am playing around and I mix up a color and it's not really in the bird, but I love it. It's going in the painting.
0: <laughs> what are the biggest challenges you see with your
1: students in terms of color in their work? I think sometimes it's challenging to really see, to really look at what you're painting and I can't even quite describe it. When I was teaching a class, I was painting a color and a student said to me, "I don't even see that color in there." And I did, but I think it's through the process of painting you learn to see differently. You look at a color and you know if it's going warmer or cooler. You see different subtleties maybe that when you're just looking at it and you just think that color is blue, it's not just blue. It's Never just blue, like it's got all kinds of colors in there and it might go a little toward the purple side or it might go more red, but it's all the subtle things that if you really, really look at something, you see much more than you think first meets the eye. It's another
0: benefit of showing up every day. I feel like the first day you see a bluebird, the second day you see, oh, there's some purple in there. The third day you see it, I mean, it's not this quick, but the third day you suddenly realize, like, oh my goodness, how did I never see? Yes, yes. For you, when you first started painting, what were some of the challenges you had with color?
1: When I first started painting, and I guess I'm still like that a little bit, I want all the colors. Like I want to put out 30 colors and see how they mix, but you can't learn that way because it's overwhelming. So you're better off starting off with a very limited palette and really learning how those colors work together and then keep adding new colors to your palette and experiment and have fun with it. But yeah, don't overwhelm yourself trying to do too much like I did.
0: <laughs> Such an easy problem to run into like yeah, all like, the colors.
1: Like, and I, I bought so many colors because I just thought they were pretty like I'd go online and I'd buy all these colors and it's kind of been a good thing because now when I want to experiment I just open that drawer and I'm like oh I never tried this and now I get it out and I use it and they don't dry out that's another great thing about oil paints
0: you talked about edges a little bit what are the challenges with edges
1: I think part of it is seeing that's the whole back to the seeing thing like if things are further away it's blurrier so your edges are softer the parts of the painting that you really want to pop, that you want a person's eye to go to, that's where you have your crisp edges. And usually you want like a very lightest light and a darkest dark next to each other. And when you have a tension point like that, that's always a focal point. So keeping things like that in mind are, are really important. And I like to like when I'm painting something, I don't always do it, but if i have a subject like a flower i like to let some of my edges bleed off into my background i like for edges to disappear completely sometimes that's that makes a kind of a magical kind of feel to it because really when you look at things things do bleed off into each other like if i'm looking at something it you might see an edge where you don't know because the values you know that there's a line there but you don't you don't really see it
0: so some of it it sounds like you use your focal point as the hardest edges and then some you use what you see in the reference, but also some you bring in artistic.
1: Yeah, and that's that's the fun part of art, is to paint what you see and then bring a little bit of yourself into the story.
0: Where in your process do you decide a focal point and how
1: do all of your paintings
0: have a focal point?
1: I would say that my paintings don't necessarily always have a focal point or that I'm that focused on it, but I do use the rule of thirds when I like... I'll find something that I find inspirational and depending on what size panel I want to paint it on, I will grid it out and I will put an area that I know could have that quality of being a focal point. I will try to get it close to my rule of thirds so that it just gives me that confidence that it's going to work. It's one of those things too, pre-thinking, so I don't have to think about it later. But I, I don't think about the focal point while I'm painting.
0: It's wonderful hearing you talk about this because it sounds like you you really have set up systems, like you have been thoughtful about setting up systems that allow you to do the type of painting you want, but also experience the type of painting experience that you want.
1: Yes, that's a great way of saying it, that setting it up so that it, it feels natural that there's space for things to happen spontaneously that i have confidence and i don't like overthink things in the middle or worry that it's not going to turn out a lot of times when i'm painting and i do my early morning paintings on wednesdays friends might be watching me on instagram and they'll say to me afterwards i always pop in at the beginning and i always think where is she going with this? How is this ever going to turn out? And then I'll go do my stuff and I come back at the end and I'm always amazed at what happened from the beginning until the end when you don't watch the middle. And and I love that part of it. Like sometimes I think it would be even fun to like have an idea of what you want to do, start and then kind of mess it up, like do something and then see where it goes. Maybe it would turn into some kind of a realistic abstraction of who knows. I mean, that's probably a crazy thought, but I might try it sometime. (laughs) But I love the paint. I think painting has become my passion. Like it is the one thing. It's just so much fun to start with just a white canvas. Like people talk about being afraid of the white canvas. I love it. I love having that clean white canvas and just knowing I have no idea what's going to happen, but I'm in, I'm all in. I can't wait to see. You can find more about
0: Kim Smith, including her workshops at com and on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We'll link to everything in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining us today, Kim. Thank you. It was great. Thank you for joining me this week on the podcast. Head to learntopaintpodcast.com slash podcast slash episode 13 for show notes and to find links to Smith's website, including her workshops and live painting sessions. Thank you to everyone over in the Podcast Art Club. You make this show possible. Extra shiny thank yous to High Gloss supporters Andrew Atterberry, Debbie and Brian Miller, Rihanna DeRold, Janet Wheeler, Nancy Bryant, Pam Lyle, and Slow River Studio. Happy painting!